After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. You're not originally from Hawaii. Could you tell us where you were born and raised? I was born in New Hampshire and was raised in uh, New Hampshire, Connecticut, and Boston. And what brought you to Hawaii? And uh, I was working for Federated Department Stores uh, in New York and uh, received a call from a very good friend of mine who was a headhunter asking me if I'd be interested in working for duty-free shoppers in Hawaii. I said, absolutely not. I had absolutely no interest in working here. And it's a, it's a long story, but uh, two months later I came to Hawaii. So how long were you with duty-free shopping? I was with, uh, I joined Duty Free in uh, February 1983, and I retired in May of 1997, so almost almost 15 years. It's an interesting story how I got here. I, uh, as I said, I received a call from uh, a very good friend of mine who was a headhunter, and I was, my career was progressing well at Federated, and I had no intention of leaving, but uh, we came, uh, my whole family was invited out to Hawaii and spent uh, three days talking to Duty Free and I thought they were very, very nice people and they gave me an offer. My son had an opportunity to go surfing and visit with Punahou and I uh, went back to New York. And uh, friends of mine in New York, through the grapevine, heard that I was uh, talking to Duty Free and said, if you go out there, make sure your son goes to Punahou. I couldn't quite pronounce it, but uh, after uh, doing some research, I found what a wonderful school it was. Um, over the months, uh, and these discussions were very protracted, and uh, had uh, wonderful meetings with Duty Free, and I decided I just couldn't make the move and told uh, Duty Free, I'm sorry, but unless my son can get into Punahou, uh, I can't come. And they said, well, it's February, there's nothing they can do, it's mid-year. A week later, Punahou called, and my son got in, and two days later, I got on a plane and came to Hawaii. Your career is taking you through 14 countries, you said. I have moved. 14 times in my career. I think I've uh, probably have worked in uh, seven countries. Which one has been your favorite so far? I enjoyed, it's a toss-up between Europe and Japan. I've uh, spent a great deal of time in Japan duty-free, traveling there throughout my career and in 19 in uh, 1992, I was uh, uh, transferred or promoted to uh, Japan, and uh, I moved to Tokyo, and I was there for six years. And I, I, I loved uh, Japan. My wife and I thoroughly enjoyed it and still have many friends there. You also mentioned that you were in, involved in the story in Alaska. Could you share with us, um, I guess you had mentioned earlier that there was a volcano that erupted when you were managing that area. So could you share with us that story? That's an interesting story. When I came to um, duty-free and I, 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 they had many locations including Alaska and that's I told uh, the chairman that's one place I'll never go and of course it's one place I did go and at the time I, I left Hawaii became the president of the Alaska division in 1989 and at the time it was the largest airport operation that duty-free had and I'd been there about two weeks 
and uh, I had been asked to join the uh, public radio board and I was on my way to my first meeting and my car phone rang and uh, my assistant told me that a volcano has just erupted and I said well what's that mean? And it means they've closed down the airport and we're out of business. Anyway in the course of uh, uh, 18 months I had to downsize Alaska. Uh, it lost half its uh, volume in the first year and uh, it was a very, very difficult assignment because I think people in, in Alaska are quite similar to uh, um, people in Hawaii. They're very loyal and were very loyal, duty-free employees. And it was very, very difficult to either have to transfer them to other places around the uh, globe or to uh, um, you know, retire them early, if you will, to lay them off. Very, very difficult. How long were you in Alaska? A year and a half. So how did you deal with that crisis situation being that, you know, you had to downsize these people and try and get sales back up, crossing your fingers that the uh, airport's going to be operational? Well, the, the big problem was that airlines, uh, because it was also, it came at a time when uh, the new aircraft uh, uh, permitted the aircraft to fly from directly from Tokyo to Europe. They bypassed Alaska, so we were expecting a downturn. This just kind of accelerated the downturn. So um, it, there wasn't much we could do for the first three or four weeks because the airport was closed because of the volcanic ash that uh, continually hovered over the airport. But uh, gradually it cleared and uh, approximately half the airlines came back. But uh, it's very difficult to market to the airports or airlines when they, they see the, the danger of uh, flying through Alaska. So many of them had alternate routes either through Moscow or the southern route through uh, um, New Zealand. How do you deal with that as, you know, you're president of this duty-free in this one area that's counting on people coming in on airplanes. Now it's shut down. Um, how do you, I mean, how do you not worry what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day and how do you just rebuild from there? Well, in, in that case, it was impossible to build because you, the customer base was, act, was gone. Um, it was important uh, that we try and do what's right, and duty-free always did what's right with the employees and took very good care of them, tried to transfer them. But in terms of recapturing that uh, uh, customer base, it was impossible. So it's, uh, you move on to other things. Eventually, the division was consolidated into the North American division, and I was transferred to run that operation. What was the greatest learning lesson you took out of that experience? You know, that's, that, that's a very good question. I think it's, it, it's important to really take care of people, those people that took care of duty-free for so long, to be able to, to take care of those people. And uh, even though it, uh, uh, we, we carried many people for a great deal of time, uh, duty-free was very supportive in my plan to retain as, as many people as possible, uh, giving them an opportunity to transfer to other places around the world if, and or we uh, put together very favorable packages for them and tried to find them other employment. So it was a slow process. So I think the learning lesson there is, in, in a crisis, it's important to take care of those people that took care of you. And I think we, uh, by duty free, uh, stood by them and did the right thing. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide 
and at greatergoodbooks.com. Audi sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Today's guest is Kenton Eldridge, co-founder and partner of Senate Capital. Let's go back a little bit because before you were involved in Duty Free, you were involved in the U.S. Army. Yes. So could you share with us about your experience in the Army? Yes, I, uh, I was facing the possibility of being drafted in 1965, the height of the Vietnam War. I uh, decided that I was going to join the reserves and uh, continue with my graduate school. And uh, I took a series of tests and I received a telephone call saying that you scored a perfect score on the language aptitudes test. And I said, I think you've got the wrong person. I said, I don't think you, that I could possibly score a perfect score unless it was a mistake. Uh, I retook it. and. Um, I again scored a, a high score, and the Army offered me an opportunity to uh, go to intelligence school and the Army language school and officers candidate school. So I spent uh, nearly four and a half years in the Army, a wonderful experience, and I'm glad I had the opportunity to do it. What was the most important lesson that you learned when you were involved in Army? Well, I think, I think first of all, it, I attended some, th the training was superb. I trained, I had some, uh, an opportunity to attend some outstanding schools, whether it be intelligence school in Baltimore, Maryland, or uh, officers candidate school at Fort ben Benning, or the language school, the uh, Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California. I think the three of the, to be the finest uh, educational experiences I've ever had. But I think the Army, it gave me an opportunity to, uh, first of all, live in various places such as Europe, and I was also uh, spent uh, nearly a year in Vietnam. But it gave me an opportunity to manage a lot of people. Uh, it gave me an opportunity to improve or develop my leadership skills, taught me how to work with people. Uh, it was a multicultural experience because I had an opportunity to work uh, as an intelligence officer in Europe and again in, in Vietnam. And uh, I think that uh, it, uh, the advantages that, uh, that people had in those days, of course there was a draft and I'm not a proponent of of uh, starting the draft again. However, I think that the military is just a wonderful, it was a wonderful experience for me, and I think it's a wonderful experience for, for anybody who uh, it has an opportunity to uh, be in the Army, Marines, Navy, Air Force, etc. Would you agree that being in the Army, it helped shape who you are today, and it possibly even helped you be more successful in your career path because you learned these leadership skills and you learned more about yourself? through the I, path? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I also met my wife there, so I think that was a, uh, she was uh, doing graduate work in Monterey and uh, I uh, was at the Defense Language Institute and we met there and we've been married 39 years. And so I think it uh, helps not only your business career but your personal career as well. Was your wife in the Army also? No, she was not in the Army. She was a school teacher. <clears throat> was she teaching the classes you were taking? No, she was not. She was doing, uh, she was doing graduate work at a school very close to uh, the Defense Language Institute. 
What's been the most unique experience you've had in all the places that you've worked and all the countries you've lived in? Ooh, that's a difficult question. Um, I think probably um, my experience in Vietnam, um, I was uh, a long-range platoon leader. I had an opportunity to spend a great deal of time uh, on uh, three and four days uh, excursions uh, into to various parts of the Central Highlands. I was stationed with the 4th Infantry Division in uh, Pleiku. And I think, uh, um, I think that was probably one of the most unique and challenging experiences that I've ever had. I had an opportunity, there were four of us that would, uh, we had uh, two Americans, we had a Vietnamese officer and uh, a, a mountain yard assistant. Uh, who would uh, work with us and, and traveled with us, traveled with me for almost uh, seven months. And uh, I think that was one of the most unique experiences because I had an opportunity to spend a great deal of time in, in villages. I had an opportunity to meet people firsthand and uh, I did a lot of uh, running at the time and I'm still running. I'd say I think that uh, it enhanced my uh, running career because I had, a, as I said, an opportunity to spend a great deal of time in the, in the jungles of Vietnam. So how did that change your life to who you are today? I think it taught me a lot of lessons, a great lesson in, in perseverance, being able to uh, uh, survive and, and being supportive. Uh, the, the four of us were, were had to, in order to survive, sometimes we had to be very uh, supportive of one another. And I think that's a, a lesson that uh, I can bring back and, and, and have learned well today, the, to, to take care of others and they'll take care of you. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek Work with Monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Today's guest is Kenton Eldridge, co-founder and partner of Senate Capital. After the Army, you went back to school yes. and you got your master's in history. How did you choose history after being in the military? I, uh, at the Defense Language Institute, I, I studied German and then I spent uh, nearly two years in German, Germany. And uh, I was fascinated by uh, German history and decided when I left the Army to get a master's degree in, uh, in history, in German history. And then you went on to get your master's MBA. Yes. Um, what made you interested in business after history? I needed to get a job. <laughs> or was it you prolonging it, you know, continuing school? No, I just decided, I actually decided at that time uh, they had just had a, a, a business program at the school where I was doing graduate work and I decided to get an MBA. I was fascinated by, it was kind of intrigued by business and I've always kind of had an interest in 
entrepreneurial endeavors, and uh, so I get, got my uh, MBA. For people out there saying, okay, master's in history, how does that actually help you in your business career? I, you know, I learned a lot about uh, uh, people. I've, I think uh, being a, a generalist uh, today in business, I think that uh, there's, there's certainly uh, good applications that, uh, that uh, help one in, the, in your business career, in life in general. And then you talked about being entrepreneur, always having this entrepreneurial spirit. Was that even when you were a young boy? No, it wasn't necessarily when I was a young boy. It, it really kind of developed, uh, um, I think, later in life. I began to, I have very good friends who are entrepreneurs. Um, and that's kind of how I got into uh, retailing to begin with. I had no real interest in retailing per se, but uh, um, Abraham and Strauss from Brooklyn, New York, came to school and I interviewed and uh, it, uh, I was intrigued by uh, their uh, uh, career path and uh, decided to uh, accept their offer and uh, move to New York. Could you tell us a little bit more about that experience, what you did? I, my first uh, assignment, and I, was, uh, I joined uh, an MBA, the, the Abraham and Strauss MBA program, and uh, I think I may have been one of the oldest uh, uh, employees or candidates in their uh, our, uh, employees in their MBA program. Uh, I think I was 28. I'd spent four and a half years in the Army and three and a half years in graduate school. And uh, it was very difficult for me because as I came from my Army background and leading, um, I had quite a number of people uh, working for me in Europe as well as in Vietnam. And it was, uh, being a trainee was very, very difficult the first two or three years. And I think, again, the lessons that the Army taught me, perseverance, and just you survive, and you do what you have to do. And it was a wonderful learning experience, and learning, um, applying what I learned in, in, in graduate school to business. I, I spent uh, nearly 10 years in New York before joining Duty Free. And so this entrepreneurial spirit, at what point did you really want to go with the ideas that you had or just take a chance and what was that first chance that you took? Well I think in, in retailing as a, a department manager and that uh, perhaps was one of my first opportunities to really work as an entrepreneur. I think you have an opportunity to to run a business. It's, uh, it's a rather controlled business because it's within a it's within a big uh, organization but you have an opportunity to to plan your business, to learn how to plan a business uh, to interact with your customers because in the store I was a, a department manager so the, the, you need to understand who your clientele is, what, what kind of merchandise they're looking for. So that was the first opportunity that I had to really, I think, experiment with my, um, uh, with, with any kind of creativity, if you will. My first uh, store was in Garden City, New York. It was a very uh, um, conservative uh, community. And in, uh, it was in 1974, and it was just at the end of the energy, first energy crisis I think this country experienced. And uh, electric blankets uh, were very hot at the time, and we were always sent uh, blue and pink and, and, and purple electric blankets, but our customers wanted white. So I used, to, I used to trade with all the other department managers and bring in white electric blankets. Same with my sheets, and I found that uh, there was, you know, it was an interesting because because the company gave me the opportunity to be a creative, and I, I thrived in that uh, type of uh, the rewards I got from the success. After you retired, how long did it take before you started your own business? I didn't really start my own business. I came, I retired in 1997, and I was. Uh, 
uh, I was asked by a very good friend if I would mentor a two entrepreneurs in a, in a startup, a local startup here. And uh, I said, gee, I really don't know anything about the technology. And they said, well, I don't need any help in the technology, but it's really the general business that they need help with. I uh, spent a great deal of time with them. I spent two or three years with them, and at the same time, I got involved in one thing led to the other, and I began to mentor two or three companies and invest in, in, in a couple of them. And uh, um, I've been uh, mentoring and investing in companies ever since, but I've never really uh, started my own company. But you retired at a really young age. I mean, you retired at 51 years of age. Were you just itching to get back at the work, in the work field? And when they called you, you said, okay, now it might not take up too much of my time. And it eventually evolved? Yeah, I really didn't have any, when I came back, I really didn't have any plans other than to uh, retire and, and, and travel. Um, but I, um, I gradually got back into, uh, through this mentoring process, I got involved in a number of companies and invested. I invested in a company in, uh, in Boston with a friend of mine from uh, graduate school. And uh, then I was asked to uh, join uh, Highbeam, which is Hawaii Business uh, Entrepreneurs uh, um, Acceleration Mentors. And uh, I was one of the, uh, the founding members of Highbeam. And uh, uh, I got involved in working with a lot of these startups and investing in, in most of them. And uh, uh, that has, uh, has increased over time and it's, uh, my mentoring has increased over time. So I, I don't think I really ever had a, I was never felt like I was completely retired. But I always tried to get balance in my life. I tried to never work more than probably 10 or 15 hours a week. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptunites, it's sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites, For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948 2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, it's sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Today's guest is Kenton Eldridge, co-founder and partner of Senate Capital. You did community things as you were working for a corporation. You do community things now. Why? Why, is, why do you do that? I think it's very important to give back to your community. Uh, when I was here, um, when I worked for Duty Free in the 80s, I was involved in uh, nonprofits. 
uh, duty-free encouraged us to be involved in nonprofits. I was in the board of the food bank and child and family service. And I spent a great deal of time on both of them. And I think I got more back than I gave. Uh, to see the projects that uh, child and family services do and the great contribution the people who work for child and family services make in this community it had a tremendous impression on me. Same with the food bank. As I left to go on to uh, um, Alaska, I continued my nonprofit work. And then in, in Asia, I didn't have the opportunity to be involved. Uh, the language barrier uh, was the foremost uh, problem. Mm -hmm. But uh, I retired, and, and I have um, I've been involved in a, a number of boards. Uh, indirectly involved with uh, the Boys and Girls Club. My wife was on the board, I think, for eight years, and I've been in directly involved with that. And the, the job at Boys and Girls Club do not only in this community but around the country is 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 is, is, is just terrific. Uh, David Nakata, who uh, manages, who runs the uh, Boys and Girls Club, is just uh, the contributions that he personally makes and the time that he puts in is just tremendous. Um, I've been on the board of Asset School, um, a school for dyslexic and children, and um, I've worked with uh, Lou Salzer on uh, strategic planning for. I guess six years, and I, as I said, uh, we were talking earlier how much I enjoy working for uh, working with Lou. Mm -hmm. He's a he's a fantastic person and a great headmaster. And I've uh, I've uh, recently resigned from the board after six years because of time constraints that I have, but uh, I truly miss it. I'm on the Nature Conservancy board. Um, I uh, chair the conservation committee, and uh, again, I, I spend a great deal of time because I really want to. I, I really feel it's important for people to give back, and I think people that are retired and have the time, they really should. They don't. They don't realize how important it is to give and to, to interact with the community and see what these nonprofits do for people in Hawaii or the community in which they live. And uh, to me, it's just uh, it's so satisfying to to participate and. Uh, to, to work with the people and, and see the results. How did you manage that within your career, though? When you were working, how did you manage your nonprofit activities versus your business activities? Well, you, the, the board meetings were generally once a month. So you spent time on the board, you spent time on fundraisers, and perhaps you'd be involved in an activity over the weekend uh, periodically. And uh, it's always difficult, but uh, I don't think that we should ever use that as an excuse that we can always manage uh, our work and uh, community involvement. And uh, for those of us uh, who have, I think, do it, I think that we all probably share the same feeling, that it, it's, it's not only important, but it's, self, it's so satisfying to see the results and so rewarding to all of us. You mentioned that you got involved in the not-for-profit organizations when you were encouraged by the company that you were working for. What advice could you give to the business owners out there to encourage their employees that although they're um, managers or you know clerks, depend, it doesn't matter what position you are, but to encourage them to get involved in the community because it's important. I think that that's a message that, that has to be carried throughout the business community and many of our businesses do such a great job of encouraging the people to participate in, in some of the walkathons, to get involved on uh, some of the administrative uh, duties in the uh, nonprofits and uh, um, I have, uh, over the years, particularly now, you notice those companies who uh, who uh, um, send many people 
the American Savings Bank, for example. I'm on the board of the American Savings Bank, and they encourage their people to get involved in, on the boards and, and also to do uh, work with uh, nonprofits to support them. And they do a terrific job. You did say that you felt like you got more back when you gave to the not-for-profits. Um, what would you say to people to get involved in these not-for-profits and why it's important? Because we, it, the businesses can give money, and I think that's the, the capital, but the human capital is needed. In, in order for these programs to be implemented, they need people. Not only the people that are, are paid, but they need volunteers. And uh, the, uh, um, the more businesses that, uh, that can provide people and, and give them time to do it, um, I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people don't do it. They're so stretched with their business and their, their family life, it's very, very difficult. So I think it's a, it's, I would encourage the business community, and I know an awful lot of the, the, the businesses do it, but allow their uh, staff to participate in nonprofit uh, activities, which is so gratifying for the people and, and for the people who receive the benefit. It's just tremendous. What's been some of your favorite memories from your community experiences? I think a child and family service when I volunteered and see some of the programs that they do for uh, some of the children and having spent uh, a day with the children, whether it was reading projects and, and how important it is and how they react to uh, your help and it was, that, that's an example, food bank for example, I've, uh, back in the early 80s I uh, participated in many of the food bank drives. I, uh, I was involved in, in, in uh, serving food uh, several times during the holidays, both here and in Alaska. And that, that to me, I think, uh, it just gives you such a sense of, uh, a, a, such a rewarding feeling that, uh, that you're making a contribution. As I said before, I think I get, sometimes I get more out of it than I give. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.